And now, stay tuned for the program that is rated tops in popularity for a longer period of time than any other West Coast program in radio history. The Signal Oil program, The Whistler. famous go-farther gasoline invites you to sit back and enjoy another strange story by the Whistler. For extra driving pleasure, the signal to look for is the yellow and black circle sign that identifies signal service stations from Canada to Mexico. And for Sunday evening listening pleasure, the signal to listen for is this whistle that identifies the signal oil program, the Whistler. And I know many things, for I walk by night. I know many strange tales hidden in the hearts of men and women who have stepped into the shadows. Yes, I know the nameless terrors of which they dare not speak. And now the Whistler's strange story. Letters from Aaron Burr. Beating down on the prison yard, the afternoon sun seemed to fade the grayness somehow, dwarf the height of the high walls. The prisoners milling slowly about or standing in little groups were talking quietly, smoking during their brief recess from the chores of the jute mill, the machine and print shops. Yes, it was a let-up in the middle of the afternoon, an easing of pressure on both the men in confinement and the guards who watched them. And in a far corner of the yard, there was one man who actually felt happy, pleased with himself as he talked with an older companion. You know, Pop, it's still kind of hard to believe. I guess I won't believe it till I actually walk out of those gates. I envy you, son. Wish I hadn't pulled that last forgery. <laughs> figured it'd put me on my feet. But you figured wrong? Uh -huh. Me, an artist who can duplicate anything. Ernie... I don't want to preach. Skip it, Pop. Skip it. They try to help you. The prison officials, people outside, too. But it's still the same. Five bucks, a blue serge suit, and a pat on the back. It might as well be a show. <laughs> sure. I like you, Ernie. You're all right. I want to make sure you stay out of here. So? So I'm asking you to do something. There's a place I want you to go. Somebody I want you to see. A, a Mrs. Alden. Mrs. Alden? She's a fine, wonderful old woman. Tries to help people. Lives just for that. You go see her tomorrow afternoon. Tell her I'm well. Talk to her. I'll talk to her, Pop. About you. And about yourself. If you need anything, well, she's prominent in the Community Aid Society. I'll see Mrs. Alden for you. But I'm not looking for any handouts. Well, there she blows. Back to work. I'll see you later, Pop. I'll give you that address, honey. Mrs. Alden. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. You forget Pop Wiley almost immediately, don't you, Ernie? Yes, because you've other things on your mind, other plans. And the hours drag until the following morning when you're ready to leave. Ready to become Ernie Madden again, rather than number 2214. 
And then finally, as the big gates open for you and you walk through, there's a car waiting for you. And your old friend Joe Bennett reaches out to shake your hand and pull you inside. Hello, Ernie. <laughs> good to see you again. <laughs> really good. Thanks, Bennett. Thanks. Well, I see you got my letter asking you to meet me. You sure did. Come on, come on, get in. <laughs> oh, uh, say, hmm? one thing. Take a look across the street there. What, the Dane? Yeah, you know her? Never saw her before in my life. Funny. Why? Uh, she's been hanging around ever since I pulled up. Kept watching the gate. Just sitting there in the car, watching, waiting. Oh, well. Uh, what do you want to do, Ernie? Uh, first, I mean, where do you want to go? First, take me to the best men's store in town. Yeah, and then? And then you can let me have a couple of hundred bucks. I want to get started right. Jack. Can't beat this place, honey, unless you want to go in for some tailored stuff. No, 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 no. This will do fine. I just want to get out of this blue surge, that's all. Yeah. Well, I'll see you later, Bennett. Thanks for the lift and the loan. Uh, look, uh, I'll go in with you and wait for you. Some of the boys want to see no, you. No, 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 thanks. You go ahead. Tell the boys I'll look them up. Well, okay. Uh, hey. Huh? Hey, wait a minute. Your friend. Hmm? The dame. She's still with us. See? Across the street. <laughs> well, so she is. Well, she won't know me when I come out of here, Bennett. Clothes make a new man. Yeah, I don't like it. You gotta find out what she's up to. <laughs> Maybe I will, but not until I can make a better impression. So long, kid. So long. You enter the clothing store and buy the suit you've been dreaming about. Then you have to kill some time, don't you, Ernie, while the tailor in the clothing store makes some hurried alterations on your new suit. You walk across the street to a small bar. You're about to slide onto a stool when you see something in the mirror. The girl again, taking a booth only a few feet away. You turn and walk over to her. Something on your mind, honey? I beg your pardon. And I beg yours. Only I shouldn't. You've been following me, sweetheart, all morning, ever since I checked out of my... Uh... <clears throat> Last hotel. Uh, if you'll sit down, I'll, I'll try to explain. I'm listening. But you didn't listen to Pop Wiley and go to see Mrs. Alden, did you? Oh, you know Pop. Mrs. Alden does. I work for her. Oh, sort of a watchdog to see that charity cases don't go astray? Not a watchdog. A social secretary. And not charity. No, no, just a helping hand. Oh, word. And what do you get out of it? Not a living... I donate my time. Not all of it, of course, but I'm there every evening. I I also have a curio shop. You know, antiques, old manuscripts, objects of art. I think a couple of martinis would be objects of art right now. May I? Please, I know how little... How little you poor boys are given to start out again in the cold, cold world. <laughs> now, you're wrong, honey, about me. I don't need a helping hand, a kind word, or a loose buck. Oh, I'm sorry. And I... don't let the blue surge fool you. I'm changing that, too. Oh? Oh, yeah, yeah, you won't know me. I just bought me a complete new outfit. Taylor had to make a few alterations, you know, cuffs, sleeves, padding in the shoulders. Really? I'd have thought in your case I'd have to take a little padding out. <laughs> well, thanks. You're cute, too. Oh, waiter. Uh, never mind ordering from me. I think you can manage drinking alone. You seem so self-sufficient. Okay, it's your loss, honey. I'm sure of it. Goodbye. <laughs> you ought to stick around and see me with the shoulder padding. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
You return to the clothing store and change to your new suit. As you leave, you look around, half expecting to see the girl again. You feel better now, don't you, Ernie, with a new suit on. And it gives you a certain satisfaction to pay cash for it. Tell the tailor to throw your old one away or give it to charity. Half a block away, you stop. Turn as you see someone crossing the street. It's the girl again, isn't it? And she doesn't think you've seen her. You step back against the building and watch as she enters the store you just left. She comes out a few minutes later carrying something in a suit box. She crosses the street again, enters an alley. And that's when your curiosity takes over completely. You hurry after her. As she reaches her parked car, you see her take the blue serge suit, which you discarded from the box. A moment later, she tears at the lining with a nail file and takes something out. Oh. Hello, honey. What do you want? What do you got? Uh, from the suit, I mean. My suit. You, you threw it away. The clerk said you didn't want it. But you did, huh? Why, for charity? A less fortunate case, maybe? Yes, yes, that's it. No, no that isn't it. Let me see that. No, give me that. It's nothing you... It's, well, some sort of a letter. Signed by... Huh? Aaron Burr. It's, it's just a joke. On who? Not Aaron Burr. No. Hey, wait a minute, honey. An old letter smuggled out of the pen in my suit. Why? Please, give it to me. I... I give it? Pop. Pop Wiley, the forgery artist. Ha <laughs> ha, he's still at it. No, that isn't true. Uh, it's the letter that isn't true, honey. Just a clever forgery, huh? And say, say, it's pretty clever how you managed to smuggle the stuff out of there on the backs of the poor unfortunates. All right. So what are you going to do about it? Go to the police? Me? Honey, I never want to see another cop. Hey, this, uh, this paper is special parchment, isn't it? That's right. Properly aged and the right texture, no doubt. How did you get it to the old boy in the first place? If you must know, it was smuggled into the prison tailor shop where he works. Oh? In the bolts of cloth. You know, that's pretty neat, Miss... Uh... Fenton. Louise Fenton. Fenton? Fenton and Madden. Uh, no, no, no. Madden and Fenton. Well, that sounds kind of nice. Uh, huh, partner? <laughs> well, what's so funny? It's going to be a short partnership, Mr. Madden. This is the last letter. Oh? What's the matter? Pop's good old right hand getting shaky? No. But the sale of items like this is. The last one, huh? So, how much do I get? Half. Half? Oh, I should say about $5,000. 5000 eh? Well, not bad, not bad at all. And now, partner, will you give me the letter so I can make arrangements for its sale? With pleasure. Oh, and uh, when and where do I pick up my dividend? I'll have it for you. Where are you staying? Well, the California Hotel, probably. I'll bring it to you there, tomorrow. Good. And, uh, partner? Yes. <laughs> Don't get any ideas like this Aaron Burr guy had. I mean, uh, pulling a fasty, shall we say? Don't worry. Oh, 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 but I will. I'll be sticking close to you, honey, right up till we meet again when you deliver those 5,000 wonderful green clams. <laughs> yeah, yeah, till then, I'll think of nothing else. Tonight's $20 Signal Gasoline book goes to Clara E. Chestnut of Berkeley, California for this limerick. A thrill-seeking driver named Pruitt was told Signal Gasoline would do it. So Pruitt did try it. 
And on this new diet, his old car took wing and he flew it. Signal, signal, signal gasoline. Your car will go far, will go farther gasoline. <laughs> Maybe your car won't actually take wing like that of the driver in the limerick when you switch to signal. But you will experience the next best thing to flying when you feel Signal's swift, sure pickup. Signal's smooth, effortless power. For in gasoline, pleasure-packed performance just naturally goes hand-in-hand hand with good mileage. If you want to be sure of getting both, then the next time your gas tank gets thirsty, be sure you get Signal, the famous go-farther gasoline. advice from Pop Wiley is about to pay off for you, isn't it? More than Pop planned, of course. He wanted you to go to Mrs. Alden's house for another reason, didn't he? So that his accomplice, Louise Fenton, could somehow manage to get your suit and the letter that Pop forged. The letter supposedly written over a hundred years ago by Aaron Burr, and worth quite a sum in the current collector's market. Yes, you spoiled it all for them by catching Louise in the act of ripping the lining of the discarded suit given you the day you left prison. Now they're forced to include you in their highly profitable enterprise. There's always the danger, however, that Louise will be foolish enough to try to run out on you. And you wonder about it after she leaves you. Wonder, too, about Mrs. Alden and where she fits into the plan. You decide not to take any chances. That evening, you pay a visit to Mrs. Alden and surprise Louise. You! I thought Sorry, I... honey, I got lonesome. Wanted to talk some more. You shouldn't have come here. Why not? This is where Pop told me to come in the first place, to see Mrs. Alden. She's upstairs, asleep. I told you I'd bring you the money. I thought you just might have picked it up earlier. I... All right, I did. Here, I have it for you. Just a minute. Oh, it's okay. I'll just come in and sit down and we'll... Uh... Louise. Oh, it's Mrs. Alden. So I'll see you. No, you've got to leave. And Louise. It's all right, Mrs. Alden. Where does she figure? She has nothing to do with it. Just an eccentric old lady who has... Louise, I didn't ask if it was all right. I said, who is it? Oh, why, it's only... Never mind. Now that I'm down here, he can answer for himself. Well, young man. Uh, my name is Madden, Mrs. Alden. I've heard about the wonderful work you're doing. I mean, with some of these boys getting out of prison. Oh? Yes, and I, I'd sort of like to, well, help in some way. Uh, Mr. Madden means a small donation, Mrs. Alden. Uh, perhaps like the set of books you donated to the prison library. Oh, no, no, Miss Fenton. That isn't what I mean. No, I want to be actively engaged. Help you, perhaps. Be uh, here for several days or a week or on call or... Oh, anything, Mrs. Alden, anything at all. Well, we can certainly use help, can't we, Louise? Uh, yes. Yes, certainly. Yes, Ernie, your services are welcome to Mrs. Alden. Not to Louise, of course. But that isn't important. All that matters is that you're nearer. She gives you your share of the money for the sale of the letter. Despite what she told you, you decide to remain on hand for any word that might indicate future possibilities in the transactions between Louise and Pop Wiley. It comes sooner than you expected. 
when a few days later you drop in at Louise's curio shop. Hear her in a telephone conversation. That's right, Mr. Slagle. I'll have the Aaron Burr letter for you Tuesday. Tuesday evening. What's that? Oh, yes, yes, of course. You'll have the money. Yes, my price is 25000 All right, Tuesday. Tuesday. That's all you need to hear. Louise Fenton lied to you, didn't she, Ernie? There is another letter. And you know just how it will be smuggled out of prison. Yes. And that's why you're waiting outside the gates on Tuesday, bright and early, ready to intercept a certain party who's being released. Hello, Sid. Huh? Oh, Ernie Madden. What are you doing around here? Oh, I just came by to see you. Me? Yeah, yeah. I'm tied in with a new outfit now. So long, kid. Hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is legit. Yeah? Sure. Sure, I'm working with the Community Aid Society. An old lady named Mrs. Alden runs it. Oh, her? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Pop made me promised that I'd see her, but I changed my mind. I don't want her charity. All right, all right. You don't have to talk to her if you don't want her. But uh, she gave me the dough for a suit for you. Yeah? What's wrong with the one I got on? Okay, so it ain't the last word. Look, I'll see you around, huh? All right, all right, if you feel that way about it. Well, come on, if you're going into town, I'll give you a lift. I got a car down the block. It's a free ride. You don't mind? A ride I can use. You get him away just in time, don't you, Ernie? Because as you round the corner, you see Louise's car pull up to the prison gate. You drive off before she can follow. Now you're alone with Sid. And you know it's not going to be easy getting him to part with his prison issue, the third suit. A suit that's worth $25,000 because of the letter hidden in the shoulder padding. You've made up your mind, haven't you, Ernie? Yes, you're going to stay close to Sid in that suit he's wearing. And you do in the hours that follow. As you drive him several places while he tries to find a girl he used to know. Late that afternoon, he wants to make another call in hopes of reaching her. You let Sid off at a drugstore and find a parking place just around the corner. You light a cigarette, sit back, and wait for Sid to return. You've got to get that suit from him. And the letter that you're certain is hidden in the shoulder padding. Yes, but how, Annie? He gives you enough time to think it over clearly and decide what you must do. Quickly, you step around to the back of the car, the baggage compartment. Your hand closes over the heavy wrench. You slip it into your pocket. You'll just have to take Sid for a little ride in the country if you're going to get that letter, won't you, Annie? You're just easing in behind the wheel again when Sid joins you. Oh. No, Ernie, she still don't answer. Ah, oh, that's tough. Say, how about a little ride out there? Ernie, Ernie, I've been thinking about seeing my girl and everything. That offer you made me this morning, still good? You mean about, about the new suit? Yeah. Sure. Oh, so a nice old lady wants to buy me a classy outfit. So what's wrong with it, huh? It makes her happy. What I got against making an old lady happy? <laughs> now you're talking, Sid. Oh, so I let her buy me a suit. Sure, it's a smart thing to do. <laughs> Sid, <laughs> this is probably the smartest move you ever made. Huh? <laughs> skip it, kid, skip it. Yes, I think you'll really enjoy these suits, sir. Now, uh, let me see. I'll have to shorten the sleeves a little. Uh, Making a bit here. Here. And yeah, the pants, too, pal. <laughs> 
course. I'll have our tailor here in just a moment. Uh, by the way, will it take long? Well, uh, we've been rather busy, you know. Oh, I'd, uh, I'd say we could have it ready uh, sometime tomorrow afternoon. Uh, look, pal, maybe you and the tailor could get together. Here, split this 20 between you and get the suit out for my friend while he waits, huh? <clears throat> well, I, I think perhaps we can arrange that. The alterations are minor, really. Fine, fine. Here you are, and this will take care of the suit. Thank you. Hey, uh, you leaving, Ernie? Uh, yes, yes, I have a very important date, Sid. Here's a magazine you can read while you're in the dressing room waiting for the alterations. And look, Sid, I'll just take this blue serge of yours with me. Mrs. Alden, you know, she can give it to somebody who could really use it, see? I'll uh, see you around, pal. <laughs> Back at your hotel room, you rip open the suit coat. And there it is, Ernie. Neatly concealed in the shoulder padding, the letter from Aaron Burr. The letter that you're sure is a forgery from the skilled pen of Pop Wiley. And it will bring you $25,000. It takes you a little time to find the man you're looking for, Mr. Slagle, the man Louise spoke to. But finally, you find his phone number, call his office, and then... Hello? Hello, is uh, Mr. Slagle in... Louise. Yes, Ernie. I've been expecting you to call. When I didn't hear from you, I knew you'd call here. So I've already talked with Mr. Slagle. What's the idea? I told him, darling partner, that you'd be delivering the letter. You can meet us at my curio shop. You know the address. Okay. What time? Eight o'clock will be fine. And don't be late, Ernie. Mr. Slagle is a very interested buyer. Well, Ernie, Louise has outguessed you, hasn't she? But it's still a windfall, and you'll still share in Mr. Slagle's payment. Shortly before eight, you drive across town and enter Louise Fenton's curio shop. Oh, come in, Ernie, come in. Hello, Louise. I want you to meet Mr. Slagle. Mr. Slagle, Mr. Davis, my associate. How do you do, Mr. Davis? Mr. Slagle. Uh, you have the letter, Ernie. Oh, yes, yes. Here you are, sir. Yeah, thank you. Yes, yes, this is it. And now, Miss Fenton, this envelope is for you. If you care to um, count the money... No, that won't be necessary, Mr. Slagle. Thank you. Ah, after all these years, the letter is mine. You don't know what this letter means to me, Miss Fenton, Mr. Davis. And you don't know what this envelope means to me. To both of us, darling. Of course, Ernie. To both of us. When you buy an automobile battery, you want three things. You want power for quick starts. You want trouble-free, long life. And you want economy. You get all three of these things and more of them in the new Signal Deluxe battery. Power? You get up to 35% more power. Because the microporous all-rubber separators in new Signal Deluxe batteries hold twice as much acid solution between the plates. Long life? Signal's written guarantee for a full 30 months on a service basis assures you extra-long, trouble-free performance. Economy? Those extra months and months of service in a Signal Deluxe battery mean amazingly low cost per month, which is the only logical way to compare battery costs. What's more, you can now get a generous trade-in allowance for your old battery at Signal service stations, plus liberal credit terms. So before you buy any battery, see your Signal dealer. 
Let facts and figures prove that you get today's best battery buy where you fill up with the famous go-farther gasoline at a signal service station. It's over, Ernie. You've sold the Aaron Burr letter to Mr. Slagle, and he's given you and Louise the $25,000. It's fantastic, isn't it? How you unknowingly brought the first letter out of prison in the suit they gave you on the day of your parole. How you discovered the clever plot between Louise Fenton and old Pop Wiley, the imprisoned forger. But Louise caught on to you when you intercepted the second letter, unwittingly smuggled out by Sid Nolan. Yet it really doesn't matter now. Because the money Mr. Slagle just paid for it is enough for both of you. You smile as Mr. Slagle leaves the shop. But as he does, someone else enters. Hello, madam. Huh? Oh, hello, Solari. Well, what do you want? A word. In private, if you'd rather. No, 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 it's okay. Miss Fenton? Lieutenant Solari, police How department. How do you do? How do you do, miss? Well, all right. What brings you around here, Lieutenant? Sid Nolan. The two of you got pretty chummy today. Spent an awful lot of time together. You ought to know we don't like a couple of parolees palling around. Well, okay. I was just doing him a favor. All right, that's fine. I just thought I'd come around and warn you. Better break it up. Sure, sure. Don't worry. Anything else? No, nothing else. Oh, uh, Miss Fenton, Mr. Davis. Slagle. Uh, pardon me for interrupting. I just wanted to say if you ever run across any more Aaron Burr originals... Yes, yes, of course. I'll pay a good price. Uh, pardon me, Mr. Uh... Slagle, Augustus Slagle. Uh, you, uh, you are a collector, too? Oh, uh, of sorts. Uh, then you'll be interested in this letter I just purchased from Miss Fenton, Mr. Davis. A letter by Aaron Burr. Here, look. Mm-hmm. Sure this is the real thing? Real? Why, of course. I know. I know it is. Why do you ask? I was just wondering. Your Mr. Davis here isn't really Mr. Davis at all. His name's Ernie Madden. Got out of state prison just a week ago. What? Yeah. And he's a good friend of Pop Wiley's. Maybe you heard of Pop. An expert forger. Very good at things like uh, this. You mean this letter? You think it's... I think we'd better take this downtown and have it checked. How about it, Ernie? Okay. Okay, so Larry, why bother? It's a phony, sure, just like all the others. Ernie! Look, sweetheart, look. When you're caught cold, it's, it's no use, I know. Yeah. You know, don't you, Ernie? Okay, let's go, the both of you. Ernie, you stupid fool. Now there'll be an investigation. They'll find out about the other letters I've sold, the forgery. They've got us dead to rights. When they check this letter... They'll find it's not a forgery. Pop Wiley had to have something to work from, so I bought the original Aaron Burr letter and sent it to him. And that was it. The one we just sold to Mr. Slagle. Let that whistle be your signal for the Signal Oil program, The Whistler, each Sunday night at this same time. Brought to you by the Signal Oil Company, marketers of Signal gasoline and motor oil and fine automotive accessories.
Remember, if you would like the fun of having your friends hear a limerick of yours on the Whistler, the address to which to send it is The Signal Oil Company, Los Angeles 55, California. All limericks become the property of The Signal Oil Company. Those selected for use on the Whistler will be chosen by our advertising representatives on the basis of humor, suitability, and originality. So, of course, they must be your own composition. Featured in tonight's story were Wally Mayer and Doris Singleton. The Whistler was produced and directed by George W. Allen, with story by Joel Malone, music by Wilbur Hatch, and was transmitted to our troops overseas by the Armed Forces Radio Service. The Whistler is entirely fictional, and all characters portrayed on The Whistler are also fictional. Any similarity of names or resemblance to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. Remember, at this same time next Sunday, another strange tale by The Whistler. Marvin Miller speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. And now, stay tuned for the mystery program that is unique among all mystery programs. Because even when you know who's guilty, you always receive a startling surprise at the final curtain. In The Whistler. And I know many things, for I walk by night. I know many strange tales hidden in the hearts of men and women who have stepped into the shadows. Yes, I know the nameless terrors of which they dare not speak. Yes, friends, it's time for The Whistler, rated by Independent Research, the most popular West Coast program in radio history. the Whistler's strange story, The Clever Mr. Farley. Dan Farley removed his top coat, glanced out the window of his compartment on the luxury streamliner as it headed west from Chicago, placed his suitcase on a seat, tossed his briefcase on top of his suitcase. Dan had learned long ago that the safest place to hide valuable objects was in the open, and his briefcase was quite valuable to him. In it, he carried $150,000 in brand-new $20 bills, counterfeit $20 bills. But so perfectly executed, even an expert would have trouble in spotting them as bogus. As the train began to speed up, Dan smiled. He was glad to get underway. In his work, he didn't spend too much time in one place. And he'd been in Chicago much longer than he intended. Take it, please. Come in. Oh, hello, conductor. Uh, here we are. Mm -hmm. Through to Los Angeles. 
Compartment C. Mm-hmm. Not so many traveling today, huh? We'll pick up some more in Kansas City. Oh. I guess this does it. Hope you enjoy your trip. Thanks, I will. I always do. Yes, you do enjoy your trips across the country, don't you, Dan? After five years of passing and distributing counterfeit money, you've never even been arrested on suspicion. Tall, handsome with the assured poise of a banking executive. Everyone accepts you for what you appear to be, just a successful young man. You decide to go to the club car and look over some of the other passengers. Like most bachelors, you never object to meeting a pretty girl. When you enter the club car, you deliberately choose the middle seat of the only three seats remaining vacant. But luck's against you. You're annoyed when a seedy-looking man of about 60 sits down on your left. You quickly pick up a magazine and begin to read. (sighs) Quite a train, huh? Mm Mm-hmm. I don't have occasion to ride very many trains. (laughs) Especially a modern train like this. Uh, going as far as Kansas City? Uh Uh-huh. Traveling on business? Uh, yes, that's right. Salesman? Nope. I kind of thought you were. I guess it's none of my business anyway. You know, I can't make up my mind whether to stop over at Kansas City or go on through to Los Angeles. Ever been to Kansas City? Never have, no. I guess it's no different than most cities. I'm not sure I'll even stop over. Come to think of it, though, I might have to. My reservation's only good that far. You think I could get my accommodations on this train extended if I decided to go on through? Uh, the conductor can tell you. Yeah. You going straight through? I haven't decided. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm so inquisitive. Care for a drink? Uh, no thanks, no. I guess I'm boring you, son. Excuse me for being so talkative. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to be rude. It's just that this article is... Yeah, sure, sure. You want to read. Yeah. But speaking of articles, son, if I was a young fella, I'd be a lot more interested in the little article coming this way than I would be in a magazine. I think you've got something. Yeah. She's going to have to sit down right next to you. Go ahead. Get acquainted with her. I'll go get me a drink. Maybe I'll see you later. Okay. Au revoir, Pop. Uh, if you'd rather read that book than talk to me, just tell me. It won't bother you anymore. But if you don't mind a little conversation... Why should I mind? Informal conversations are customary on trains, aren't they? Well, I'm not a customarian, but in my book, when a lady desires solitude, that's what she gets. Cigarette? Not now, thank you. Going all the way through? (laughs) Something funny? Yeah, my question. You know, when that old gentleman standing at the bar over there asked me if I was going straight through, it annoyed me. Now to open a conversation, I ask you the same thing. (laughs) Should I be annoyed, too? Well, not unless I affect you the way he did me. Well, I guess this is the wrong answer, but so far you haven't affected me at all. Yeah, I was afraid of that. 
Well, that's the way life is, huh? Besides, we've got quite a ride in front of us. Maybe 24 hours will make a difference. Maybe. Hmm. Uh, leave your husband in Chicago? No. Oh, meeting him at the other end, huh? No. Don't tell me you're not married. I won't. I won't tell you that I am, either. In other words, what's it to me, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, uh, d- do you mind telling me your name? Not particularly. I'm Judith Barnes. Judith. That's a pretty name. Chicagoan? At times. Oh, woman of mystery, huh? Have to be. I'm a spy. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't asked me who I am. No, I haven't. I'm going to tell you anyway. Name's Dan Farley. I'm a spy, too. <laughs> <laughs> An interesting girl, isn't she, Dan? And as the train moves westward, you become very well acquainted with the charming, attractive Judith Barnes. Yes, the two of you hit it off splendidly. And she seems quite interested in you, too, doesn't she? Later, you have dinner together, chat pleasantly back in the club car. And then suddenly you see the smile vanish from her lips. She becomes tense. You follow her gaze to the end of the car, to the tall, heavy-set man in the brown suit. He turns his eyes away and pretends to read a newspaper. You look back at Judith. Notice her attention is now shifted to the opposite end of the car. To another man sitting there. What's the matter, Judith? Uh, Dan, will you do me a favor? That depends. Well, it's very important. I wouldn't ask you. Sure, sure. What is it? I have a small package with me. It's a very valuable package. Oh? I'll leave it here in this magazine. When I leave, will you pick it up and hold it for me? What's in it? I can't tell you. Well, now, look, if I'm going to play carrier pigeon... I'll explain everything later, Dan. I'm in compartment B, car 118. Bring it to me there. Okay. Why don't you get it over with right now while Brown Suit's busy with the newspaper? What? He's the reason for all this, isn't he? He and his pal down at the other end of the car. What? They really have you boxed in here, baby. I... I know I can trust you, Dan. At this point, what else can you do? You've got to trust me, sweetheart. Back to the whistler. When you boarded the train in Chicago, you had only one thought in mind. To get your package of counterfeit $20 bills to your contact in Los Angeles as quickly as possible. But your meeting with Judith Barnes in the club car has altered your plans, hasn't it? As the train speeds on into the night, you wonder what's in the package Judith has placed in your care. Why she's afraid of the two men who stationed themselves at either end of the club car. You watch her as she leaves now, walks past the man in the brown suit. He makes no move to follow her. You lean back, light up a cigarette, finish your drink. Then finally you get to your feet, move past him, stroll toward the next car. As you do, you turn around. The man in the brown suit is following you. Quickening your pace, you hurry into the next car. Somehow you've got to shake him off. And then suddenly up ahead, a door to a compartment partially open. 
You're about to hurry by when you notice the man sitting inside. The gentleman you met earlier that afternoon in the club car. Hello there. Huh? Oh, hello, son. <laughs> Figuring on catching a few winks? Yeah, was figuring on it. Say, how'd you get along with the young lady? All right. Thought maybe I could buy you a drink, a nightcap. Well, thanks. But... I was pretty rude this afternoon, huh? Oh. I didn't mean to be, really. It's just that it's just that I had things on my mind. Oh, that's all right, son. I talk too much anyway. <laughs> oh, no, you don't. I tell you what. Let's have lunch tomorrow, and I... Yo, wait a minute. You're stopping over in Kansas City, aren't you? Have to. Reservations on this train are all taken, and the conductor tells me there's a waiting list ahead of me. Yeah, I think you're lucky. They tell me Kansas City's quite a place. I think I'll stop over myself. I thought you said you had reservations through to the coast. Oh, I have, but uh, I'm afraid it's Kansas City just the same. You remember a while back when you asked me if I was a salesman? Yes, I do. I guess I was a little nosy. No, you weren't. No, I was pretty brusque. But I had a reason. You see, my work is, uh, well, sort of confidential. Detective? Well, not exactly. I'm a federal man, work for the government. My name is Farley. Government man, huh? Mm -hmm. Say, I'm Seth Williams from Junction City, Iowa. Certainly pleased to meet you, Mr. Farley. <laughs> I've always wanted to meet a G-man. <laughs> well, I'm not, not a G-man, exactly. I'm with the Customs Department. Frankly, that's why I'm getting off at Kansas City. Glad to hear that. Then we can still have lunch together. Well, no, not in Kansas City, but uh, we might see each other on the train again if we take the same one out of Kansas City. How long are you figuring on stopping? Just one day. Oh. I figure on taking the same train tomorrow. Well, I had the same idea. I'll make my reservations as soon as we get in. Good, I will too. Something to do with one of your cases, huh? Yeah, that's right. Oh, by the way, do you mind if I step in here and wash my hands? I don't know where I picked this up. Probably newsprint. Go right ahead, son. The moment you're out of his sight, you open the package Judith gave you in the club car. Your hand trembles as you pick up the piece of jewelry. A diamond brooch, exquisitely fashioned. Breathtaking, isn't it, Dan? Yes, and you're certain it's worth a fortune. You're certain, too, that Judith stole it. And if you can get it away from her, it'll even the score. You hate to part with the brooch, don't you, Dan? But there's nothing else you can do at the moment with the man in the brown suit and his friend probably searching the train for you. Quickly, you make up your mind. Replace the brooch in the package. Step back into the compartment. You feel confident you can trust Seth Williams of Junction City. Oh, uh, Mr. Williams. Yeah? I wonder if you'd do me a favor. Why, well, be glad to. I'm interested in finding a certain party on this train. Now, you could help me out and do Uncle Sam a good turn, too. Of course. What is it, son? Well, take this package and hold it for me for a while. Well, sure, but... I'd why... rather not tell you my reasons just now. Later on, I will. Do you mind? Well, no, I guess not. But why pick on me? <laughs> Want to know the real truth, Mr. Williams? Well, of course. Well, it's because you look like that place you come from, Junction City. <laughs> you know the old saying, you can take the boy out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the boy? Yeah, a lot of truth in it, I guess. Yeah, there is. <laughs> You'd be the last person on a train a smart crook would pick on. Well, you're not very flattering, but you make sense. <laughs> I like you. I'll keep your package for you. Go ahead, look through the car. Thanks. I won't be gone long. 
You feel better now, Dan. Certain that the brooch is safe with all Mr. Williams. Somehow you feel you can trust him, don't you? As you leave him, step into the corridor. The man in the brown suit is nowhere in sight. You hurry through the cars to compartment B, car 118. Dan. Hello, sweetheart. Dan, please, get away from here quickly. Ah, yeah, let him come in, baby, let him come in. Oh, well, nice of you to show up, chum. Save us the trouble of coming after you. What, what's this all about? So the two of you are working together, huh? You know, first we thought maybe you were just making a play for the lady here. I'm afraid I don't follow this gentleman. I, I... Maybe uh, we ought to make it clear to him, Joe. Now, wait a minute. Which one of you has the brooch? Well, brooch? What are you talking about? We, we don't have it, either one of us. Look, lady, we were hoping we wouldn't have to get rough. I, I tell you, we don't I have... to get rough with a lady. But a man's a little different. Maybe after a little treatment, your boyfriend will feel like talking. Don't you think so, Joe? I'm sure he will. Now, just a minute. You boys are mixed up. I, I don't think so. We'll see, anyway. Come here. He has nothing to do with this. I... I know when I've lost, I'll give you the brooch. You stare at her, bewildered, unable to understand what's happened. You watch Judith open her suitcase, take out the brooch, hand it to the man in the brown suit. You're certain it's the same brooch you handed to Mr. Williams a few minutes ago. Yet here it is. Now you're being smart, sister. Thanks. Yeah, very smart. And we'll be in KC before long. I think you better stay right here in your compartment, lady. Don't make a move. All right. That might be a good idea for you, too, handsome. Oh, you don't have to worry about me. I, I don't know what this is all about, and I don't care. It's none of your business, is that it? That's it. Keep it that way. Come on, Joe. <laughs> You've got a great sense of humor. <laughs> that, <laughs> that brooch <laughs> was just Pace. A phony? Yes. I figured something like this might happen, so I had an imitation made, a perfect imitation. Well, then why did you carry the real article with you? Because I was sure they'd search my compartment instead of coming after me. Oh? I recognized the man in the brown suit as Joe Franklin, one of the best-known jewel thieves in the business. That's why I was so worried when he showed up in the club car tonight with his partner. Hmm. So you dumped the real brooch on me and then left hoping they'd tail you to your apartment and grab the phony brooch. <laughs> That's right. Oh. Well, it worked out anyway. Though, uh, you did give me a bad moment turning up here the way you did. If they'd searched you... They wouldn't have found a thing. What? I had a hunch they'd frisk me, so I hid it. Where? Uh, in the club car. That was careless. Oh, quit worrying. It's practically locked up. You'd better get it right away. Use your head. Suppose those two guys find out that bauble you gave them's a phony. They're liable to come back. What do you suggest we do, then? Leave it right where it is. Sit tight. If nothing happens, those two guys will get off at Kansas City. Once they're gone, I'll bring you the brooch. How do I know you won't double-cross me, Dan? You don't. But you had to trust me before, remember? All right. We'll play it your way. But there's something you'd better remember, Dan. Yeah? You'd better come through. If you don't, you're going to be awfully sorry. Well, Dan, it was easier than you thought, wasn't it? As you leave Judith's compartment, more than ever convinced she's a thief, you know exactly what you're going to do. When you reach Kansas City, you'll leave the train. Let Judith discover your absence after the train resumes its journey. Then it'll be too late for her to do anything. 
You can forget you ever saw her. Then another idea hits you. A great idea, isn't it, Dan? Quickly, you return to Mr. Williams' compartment. Hide your party all right, son? Yeah, I did. Are you still figuring on leaving Kansas City on tomorrow's edition of the same train? Mm-hmm. Already wired from a reservation. Good. I'll take the same one. Now, meantime, if you can help me still further, that is, if you will. Well, I guess so. I... Well, I want you to keep that little package for me while you're in Kansas City. You can give it to me when we see each other again in the train tomorrow, huh? How do you know I'll show up? I don't. I just believe in you, Mr. Williams. All right, son. I'll do it. Now everything's set, isn't it, Dan? Even if you run into trouble while you're in Kansas City, no matter what happens, the brooch will be safe with Mr. Williams. You smile as you return to your own compartment. And as you step inside, your eyes fall on your briefcase. And suddenly you know something is wrong. The briefcase has been moved, tampered with, hasn't it, Dan? You're certain of that. Quickly, you open it. The money's still there, but somehow you have the feeling it's been disturbed. And for the first time in your career, a wave of panic sweeps over you. What? Who is it? Mr. Farley, sir. Oh, oh yes, Porter. What is it? We'll be arriving in Kansas City another half hour. I wondered if you wanted to send a wire or something. No thanks, Porter. You stand there, staring down into the briefcase full of counterfeit bills. You can't take any chances, can you, Dan? You have to leave the train at Kansas City. Then the moment it stops, you hurry into the station, put the briefcase into a station locker. Yes, that's the safest place for it now. Put it in a station locker. You'll pick it up at a later date for future use. Then you go on into town and stay out of sight overnight. The following evening, you return to the station, take the train agreed upon. And as it pulls out of Kansas City, you hurry into the club car. Your fears that Mr. Williams might not be there vanish as you enter. There he is. He's come through for you exactly as you expected. Well, hiya, Mr. Williams. Hello, son. Say, I was getting worried about you. Thought you might have missed connections. I never miss connections, Mr. Williams. My little package still safe? Sure. You want it? Might as well. Here it is, safe and sound. Thanks, Mr. Williams. Now I'd like to buy you a drink. Fine. Everything went okay, huh? Everything's great, Mr. Williams. The Whistler will return in just a moment with a strange ending to tonight's story. Everything worked perfectly, didn't it, Dan? Yes, and as the big streamliner picks up speed, you're more than satisfied, aren't you? You might even give up the counterfeiting racket and go into a legitimate business of your own after you dispose of the brooch. You're sure you'll be able to sell it for at least $50,000 once you reach the coast. And you're not worried about Judith Barnes. The chances are you'll never see her again. And the elderly Mr. Williams came through for you exactly as you were certain he would. 
Yes, sir, Mr. Williams, you did me quite a favor. Well, I was glad to do it. Would you like to see what you've been holding for me? It's very pretty. Yeah, I would. Okay, I'll show it to you. Come on, we'll go back to my compartment. It's only three cars back. Why, we can stop at my compartment if you'd rather. It's right ahead there. Oh, it suits me. Might stick around and beat your game of cribbage, if you play cribbage. <laughs> I'm the best cribbage player you ever saw. Come on. Here we are. Hello, Dad. Judith. What do you do? How did you know that... It was easy, Dad. I simply followed you when you left the train. You mean Mr. Williams told you? Mr. Williams told me nothing until a few minutes ago. I asked him to arrange this little meeting. You see, I'm an insurance investigator, Dad. Insurance investigator? But I thought you... You thought I lifted that brooch, didn't you? <laughs> no, Dan, no. I just paid $15,000 for the return of that brooch in Chicago. No questions asked. I wanted to be sure it got back to my company. You were handling it alone? My guard was supposed to come along with me. Something must have happened because he didn't show up. So you picked on me? Yes. The minute I saw you, I knew you were just the type to get it through. But, just to make sure, I trailed you after you got off the train last night. What about the boys who got the phony brooch? They're in the hands of the Kansas City police right now. Yeah. Like I said before, you're quite an operator. Catch, baby. I guess you win. Oh, thanks, Dad. Uh-huh. This is it. Well, maybe I'll see you again sometime. I could have you picked up for attempted theft, you know. But I won't. How come? Well, in your own way, you were very helpful. You too, Mr. Williams. Thanks a lot. That's all right, young lady. You must be a darn good detective. My boss thinks so. Bye. She's quite a gal. Isn't she? Nice of her not to take action against you. Yeah. Sorry I had to lie to you, Mr. Williams. Anyway, you sure did your part. Well, I guess I'll have to change plans again, get off at Albuquerque and get back east. I'm afraid not. What? You see, I found something of yours, too, in your compartment yesterday while you were tied up with those jewel thieves. A briefcase full of phony money. The same one you put in that station locker in Kansas City. You... You were the one who... That's right. Solid evidence. You're under arrest. Now, wait a minute. I, I... I was on that train looking for someone yesterday. Didn't know just who. And then you came along. But how could you... Never should have told me that lie about being a federal man, son. You see, I know all about federal men. Been a fed myself for 25 years. <laughs> 